is Craig Brown, and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used in churches for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on the text used in the lectionary in the coming weeks. Today's passage is from Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6, and then verses 10 to 17. It's the lectionary reading for the 22nd Sunday after the Pentecost, also known as proper number 25 in the year B cycle of the lectionary. It happens to be the lectionary reading for October 24, 2021. This week concludes our series in the book of Job, and we move to this closing chapter, almost the epilogue of the work itself. And as this chapter opens, we find Job making his final speech, his final statement into response that as a response to all that God has said. And in verses 1 to 5, uh, we hear in these verses Job's, uh, in a sense, capitulation uh, to the case that God has made throughout these uh, oracles that have occurred in the last several chapters of Job. So this quest for justice uh, has all been about Job wanting God to hear his case. Now, this is Job's second reply to God, and it re- represents somewhat of an enigma, and it all really leads up to his final words in this response in verse 6 that we'll get to a little bit later. So as this chapter opens, we look at chapter 42, verse 1, and Job quotes that, um, that God can do all things and that no plan is impossible for God. In other words, telling God that your omnipotence is there. So verse two is an acknowledgement of God's omnipotence, that God's case is correct. His case for justice or Job's case for justice is somewhat misplaced, that if God is, as this text is trying to tell us, all powerful, how is it that Job could possibly make a case? And really we start to center in the question we've talked about all along in Job. Is it better to know why things happen Or is it better to know why is not important? Is it better to know that the question of why is not that important at all? And this is what Job really struggles with in these closing verses here in chapter 42. In verse 3, Job quotes God this time saying, Who is this that conceals advice without knowledge? And so Job's response is, Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. So in verse 2, Job acknowledges God's omnipotence. In verse 3, Job acknowledges that God has an understanding which he does not possess. God's insight and direction are mystical. They're unknowable. Job cannot aspire to have the same insights. So again, another rhetorical question. Is it better to know how things work or is it better to know how to deal with things? Which is better for us? Which is a more important question for us to wrestle with? And then if we turn our attention down to verse 4, Job again quotes God. Please listen and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. And then Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. There is no case for Job to make here because justice And the need for justice is not the central issue in the book of Job at all. Job realizes that God actually is not going to argue the case with him and that God is not even going to engage in the question of why. Essentially, Job frames this really difficult response by God where God says, you don't need to know why. And that is 
incredibly difficult, not only for Job to hear, but for us to hear. And what's happening in this chapter is Job is beginning to recognize that his push on this is futile, that throughout his experience in this suffering odyssey that he's been through, he's never had an audience to plead his case. And it becomes clear at the end of the book that God is not actually going to listen to that. And the key passageway here is this, that relationships matter more than explanations. Relationships matter more than explanations. Job comes to grips with the reality that God is not going to argue his case. And so his persistence at it is his own witness against him. Why is there suffering is actually the wrong question. What I do in the midst of suffering is a better question. It may not be the best question yet, but it's a better question. What do I do in the midst of suffering? How shall I live in a broken world? Now, the answer to those questions we find throughout Job, and that's that key passageway, that relationships matter more than explanations. Relationships matter. Job's relationships with God, relationship with God, and Job's relationship with his three friends, which is the center part of this chapter. So what we learn here is that this is about relationships. And so let's hold that just for a moment as we get to verse 6. Verse 6 is the climax of Job's response. These are the last words Job says in the entire book. He says in verse 6, Therefore I retract and I repent, sitting on dust and ashes. There are two verbs in this particular verse. I retract and I repent. This word for retract is an interesting word because this is the Hebrew word for melt or crumble. It's not just a retraction. It's actually a capitulation. Job is essentially saying that you've melted me. You've withered me down. You've worn me down. And so Job quits the cause of justice. He acknowledges in this one verb that the case he's been trying to make has just melted away. It's crumbled. It means that his argument, the argument he's been making for justice and an explanation to what's happened to him, doesn't have the value he thought it had. And then in verse 6, that second verb where he says, I repent. Uh, There's different words in Hebrew for repent, but this particular word for repent is an interesting one. This is the word for the changing of mind or a shifting of thinking. It's not the classic Hebrew word for repent. It's often used when there's a reference in Scripture to where it says that God changes his mind. You can see this in uh, the book of Exodus and also in the book of Deuteronomy where God intends to do something and the text literally says, and God changed his mind about this. This is that word. So Job realizes that the case that he wants to bring of this justice and explanation for his suffering is melted away and so now he withdraws it. So the end game of Job's argument is a withdrawal of his argument. He capitulates, he quits, and he acknowledges his place sitting in dust and ashes. Essentially what he's saying is that he doesn't agree with God, he just quits the cause, and he goes back to being a farmer. This is key in this passage of scripture, that at no point does Job acknowledge that the argument for justice 
is wrong. What Job does is quits the case of making that argument because the God that we see in Job is not going to respond to that. And the key passageway here is this, that at times the quest for fairness becomes all-consuming for us. Job learns that his case and his questions will not change what happened. He discovers some deeper values along the way. He discovers values around tenacity, grace, candor, relationships. The only way out of the situation he's kind of put himself into or the corner into which he's painted himself is to leave it. He's imprisoned himself. And so what still lurks is the potential of evil and suffering. Job is not a book designed to tell us why suffering occurs, where evil comes from, and why bad things happen to good people. Job is presenting a different, more nuanced question, a question that's a little bit more in the gray area. And we'll talk about that as we look at the final verses in Job chapter 42. As the book winds to its conclusions, we arrive at this concluding truth about what happens to Job. Basically, Job quits his case of arguing with God and decides he's just going to go back and be a farmer. And so it says in verse 10 that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and the Lord increased double all that he had. It seems a little bit like a fabled story, doesn't it? Job loses everything and then he gets it all back. To be honest, that's not really the point of the story that he gets it all back twofold. You see, Job's obsession with this issue of justice and fairness doesn't console him at all. There's a lot of scholars that write about this closing of the book of Job and talk about the fact that Job has no consolation, that he lacks this sense of comfort, even in the midst of his suffering. And the, the scholars frame it this way because they think that Job's energy is so entirely directed toward this issue of justice and fairness that Job can't really see much else along the way. This is the heart of the story, to be honest. Take note that Job, he's never learned of the cosmic scene at the beginning of the book when the accuser, the Satan, comes before God and they have this conversation about Job that actually precipitated his suffering. Job never hears about that. He never hears about what's gone on behind the curtain. He never hears about any of the circumstances that went on that resulted in the suffering he experienced. He never learns that truth throughout the entire book. Perhaps the book of Job isn't so much trying to tell us and even Job about fairness and justice. Perhaps it's trying to tell us something about how we live in the midst of suffering and that that lesson is vastly more important than why there is suffering. See, asking the question of why doesn't change the reality of the human condition. The question of why doesn't propel Job forward. There's a sense in what the book of Job is telling us is that suffering and hardship and pain are inescapable realities of our human condition. And once Job frees himself from this prison, his obsession with justice and fairness 
life begins to go on. And, and the key passageway is here for us. Living life well is about asking the best questions. These are the questions we can't live with and the questions we can't live without. Job is a maddening book to us, but yet it's inviting. It's actually a piece of what I call kind of a darker wisdom. Ecclesiastes is a book that's very much in the same league as this book of Job. It's an acknowledgement that pain and suffering and hardship are part of the human experience that we have. And we can talk about why that is the case, why those realities exist. Um, some people would say it's because of human sinfulness. Some people would say it's because of the brokenness of the natural order. Others would say it's that God is a, a kind of a cosmic despot going around punishing people. There's all sorts of arguments to be made about why things are the way they are. What Job is telling us and Ecclesiastes is telling us is that things are the way they are. And so the question isn't, why is this happening to me? The question is, how do I live my life in the midst of all of this? Living life in grayness and nuance, those are marks of wisdom. To be honest, what Job helps us understand is that knowing everything and having all the answers is honestly overrated. That only God can hold this knowledge. And so what really matters isn't whether you know everything, but it's whether you know God. Remember that verse, verse 6 in the same chapter, or verse 5, where Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. There's this sense of knowing God. Hearing, seeing, uses this kind of sensory language, is everything. And nothing is more important than that. I hope you've enjoyed this journey through the book of Job. It's an enigmatic book. It's a puzzling book and a difficult book for us to read, especially for those of us that that so much desire with, uh, desire fairness and that the belief that wisdom always flows from fairness and justice. What Job is trying to tell us is that's simply not the case. This experience of being human is vastly more complicated than we make it out to be. It has implications into the, the minutia of our life, the, the arguments that we somehow make that one person had cancer and another person didn't. One person had a car accident and another person didn't. And oftentimes we attribute escaping hardship to God's blessing on our life, that God somehow blessed us that we didn't have that cancer, we didn't have that car accident. I hope we listen to what we're saying theologically in those statements, because in a sense, we're making the very argument that Job is trying to refute and to tell us is incorrect. Even Jesus says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We need to be careful and nuanced about how we think about these complicated issues in our lives. And Job helps us to understand how important it is to ask the right questions and how self-destructive it is to ask the wrong ones. That's it for this week. 
I want to thank the Reverend Dr. George Ed Bennett and his congregation at the First UMC, First United Methodist Church of Lodi. They've been using this podcast throughout their sermon series on the book of Job. I hope it's been helpful to all of you in the Lodi congregation. I pray that you're blessed by passages as you prepare to receive the sermon on this Sunday, when you're going to hear a sermon on Job chapter 42. Next week, we turn to another passage of scripture in the lectionary, move to a different place, and we'll see how God is at work throughout the entire witness of the Bible. For now, I bid you all grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.